Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Monday, November 27th. Happy Turtle Adoption Day, as opposed to Tortoise Adoption Day, which it ain't. Tortoises apparently ain't welcome on Turtle Day, which ain't right. Near as I can figure, the only real difference between them is turtles live in the water and tortoises live on the land. Hardly justifies such inequity in my opinion, but hey, I didn't set this up. Believe it or not, the squall and I did, however, adopt a turtle one time. There's this outfit where if you buy some jewelry, they sponsor a sea turtle in your name. They even give you a QR code so you can GPS track it. Her name's Kermit and she hangs out between the coastal Everglades and Key Largo. And I know it's probably a scam, and she don't even exist except as a dot on a computer map, but it don't matter. The squall loves sea turtles and jewelry, and we try to support small business. So I guess it's cool that day before yesterday was Small Business Saturday, which ain't relevant to nothing now, but would have been a good one for today. But again, nobody asked me. It's meant to be the next and logical progression after Black Friday, and to encourage us to do whatever Christmas shopping we can at our local small businesses. That is, if you got any left after the great Chinese sniffles panic. Of course, I only bring that up because today is also Cyber Monday, which is all about shopping for Christmas gifts online, which really just means Amazon. Because if there's one thing Amazon needs, it's more money. And that sarcastic remark was not meant to disparage Amazon for having a profitable business model. It was more about how the B system and all its holidays is trying to keep us all focused on greed and consumerism instead of the birth of Christ. So next time somebody asks us what we got for Christmas, maybe we should answer a savior. If nothing else, it'll spin up the wokesters. Our reading for today is Daniel 4, 1 through 37, 2 Peter 1, 1 through 21, Psalm 119, 97 through 112, and Proverbs 28, 17 and 18. So if y'all are ready, I went into a toy store the other day and asked the guy, where's all the Arnold Schwarzenegger action figures? He said, I'll be back. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Yesterday, on the 26th, in the Old Testament, we read Daniel 2.24 through 3.30. And when we last left our hero, King Nebuchadnezzar was fed up with all the 900-line psychics he had on his payroll that couldn't put their money where their mouth is and was killing them off. But Daniel and his buddies prayed all night, and Daniel gets a vision. So in verse 24, he goes to Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon, and said, Quit killing everybody. I got the answer. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, which makes me think that Arioch wasn't on board with the killing the whole priestly class thing. And Dan's like, I got you, king. And the king's like, well, let's hear it. So Daniel's like, no problem. But let me explain something to you first. What you was asking all these witch doctor crooks to do, can't nobody do. And even though I got your answer, it wasn't me that did it. This secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. He's the one that told me what's up. And what he's doing is, he maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. So, what you dreamed was this. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. And the word rendered image, in Hebrew, it denotes properly a shade or shadow, and then anything that shadows forth or that represents anything. It's the same word used in Genesis 1.27 to describe man as representing God. And most of the scholars think that this was a big old giant statue of some kind that he saw. 
and this image's head was of fine gold, his breast and arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, his legs of iron, and his feet part of iron and part of clay. So, descending down this statue, it's made of metals that descend in value, till we get to the bottom, and it's iron mixed with clay. Later, he calls it miry clay, which is like worthless clay off the floor in its natural state. It's not good for nothing, and if you mix it with iron, it makes the iron worthless too. Then, King, you saw a stone that was cut out without hands, smash the image on its feet, and then the whole thing just disintegrated and got carried away like chaff on the wind. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. You confused? Well, hang on, because Dan's about to spit some bars. He says, Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. Thou art this head of gold, and after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass inferior to that one. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, but it's going to be divided. That's why it was two legs. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. The idea is not that they took iron and clay and poured them in a pot and stirred them up and out came something called clyron. It was more like clay feet with chunks of iron that were part of it but still separate. Think like balkanized. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever which hasn't happened yet. It's in the process of it, but it ain't happened. So Neb has a vision of his kingdom and then three successive kingdoms. And that is the way it happened. After Neb died, the Medes and the Persians teamed up and overthrew Babylon, pretty much without firing a shot. Yeah. Then the Greeks under Alexander the Great took over for a while. Then the Romans had a pretty good run. Then Jesus, the stone cut without hands, which is a reference to his deity and probably the virgin birth too, showed up and caused no end of trouble for the Romans. It was Christianity that really signaled the beginning of the end for Rome. It wasn't the cause of it, maybe a little, but not really. It was more about the timing of it, I think. Until finally, the empire split into the eastern and western empires with Byzantium, the eastern capital, the two legs of the empire. Till finally, in the 5th century, the western empire got took down by German barbarians, but they had it coming and the eastern half held on until 1453, when the Ottoman Turks took it down. The Ottomans ran things for a long time, but were never an empire like the Romans were. They never took Europe, for example. Christopher Columbus was a year and a half old when that happened, and 39 years later, America was discovered. And I don't know what that means, but it's got to be something. My hometown of Pensacola, Florida, was founded in 1559, barely a century after the fall of the Roman Empire. Trippy. So, who took over after Rome? Well, nobody, really. All the different European countries took stabs at it. France and Spain had good runs. England did pretty well toward the end. But nobody really took over, not like an empire. Not like in a make-everybody-change-their-language kind of empire, like Greece or the U.S. And that's probably why. Because right as the Romans were out, the U.S. was in. And the stronger we got, the more we prevented the world empire. Maybe on purpose, or maybe that's just how it worked out. I don't know. But some people think that the reason you don't see the U.S. in prophecy is because we have to be taken down in order for the beast to set up the final new world order, which some folks call the revived Roman Empire. Since it was never really conquered, it's just going to come back together under the Antichrist in the last days. But we'll get to that. But Bible Y'all Paul, you ask, what about China? They had a pretty big empire for a while, and they're poised to take over right now. To which I answer, 
China is irrelevant. They never ruled Israel. Remember, this book is all about God and his relationship with his chosen people. China was never involved in that. Persia, Greece, and Rome were. China was not. So anyway, Neb is impressed and falls on his face and worships Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets. And I think he messed that up a little. I think he meant to say King of kings and Lord of lords, but whatever, he's new at this. (laughs) And he put Daniel and his buddies in charge of all things Babylon, including the governors and the wise men, all them soothsayers and whatnot he was just about to kill. So not a lot of middle ground with old Neb. He either kills you and makes your house a dunghill, <laughs> literally literally a pile of crap, or he puts you in charge of everything. All things in moderation is a concept lost on Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> yeah. So in chapter three, we find out Nebuchadnezzar the king made this big old image of gold, whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And this is said to have occurred in the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar, but nobody knows when he did this. I'm thinking I agree with this guy named Hales. According to him, Daniel was carried to Babylon in 586 BC, and the image was set up in 569 BC, making the interval from the time that he was carried to Babylon 17 years. And if the dream we just talked about was within three or four years of that, the interval between that and this would be like 13 or 14 years, which makes sense. It'd give Neb time for his head to swell back up and forget about that whole worshiping God thing and for the soothsayers and whatnot to get fed up with being ruled by a Jew and take vengeance, which this statue thing gave them the opportunity to do. Because what Neb does is rounds up all the princes, governors, captains, judges, treasurers, counselors, sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces and tells them, when y'all hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbutt, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, Y'all got to fall down and worship the golden image that I set up, or else. Well, or else what? Well, see that giant fiery furnace over there? I'm going to throw you in it. And then all of a sudden, all them princes and sheriffs and such, they never heard nothing so pretty as sack butt music (laughs) and couldn't worship that statue fast enough, except for three guys, my shack, yo shack, and a bungalow. No. (laughs) So the Chaldeans, who apparently hate Daniel, ratted his buddies out to King Neb. So where's Daniel? Nobody knows. Some say he was out of town and that's why they took this opportunity to get vengeance. Or maybe they just left him out because he was the king's favorite. Either way, Neb calls them three troublemakers in and he's like, what's this I hear about y'all not serving my gods nor worshiping the golden image which I have set up? Don't you hear all that sack butt music? (laughs) Get to worshiping. (laughs) But they like, no, we can't do it, king. God said not to. Well, I'm going to toss you in the fiery furnace then. What you God going to do about that? And they said, well, do what you got to do, king. And if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But even if he don't, we still ain't worshiping your janky statue. (laughs) So take that home with you. And this spins Neb up into levels of rage he didn't even know he had and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. I don't know if that means seven times or 17 times or how they'd even tell, but it was so hot, the guys that threw them in also burned to death. So harsh. And Barnes makes the comment, the word seven here is a perfect number. And the meaning is that they should make it as hot as possible. 
He did not reflect probably that by this command he was contributing to shorten and abridge their sufferings. Wicked men who are violently opposed to religion often overdo the matter, and by their haste and impetuosity defeat the very end which they have in view, and even promote the very cause which they wish to destroy. That's what Barnes said about it. But anyway, Neb's watching the fire, and all of a sudden he jumps up and starts freaking out, and said unto his counselors, didn't we just throw three guys in there? And they're like, you better know it, King. <laughs> well, then why do I see four in there? And why are they walking around like they ain't even hurt? And why is the form of the fourth like the son of God? Mm. Which seems to me an oddly specific observation to make. Mm. And some say this is a Christophany, an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And some think this was an angel, which were also called sons of God in the Old Testament, which technically Jesus was not the son of God yet because he hadn't been born. But whatever, the three of them came walking out, fine as frog hair, in front of everybody. <laughs> and Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Then he says, And if I catch any of y'all talking bad about their god, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? <laughs> You get in cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. <laughs> oh, by the way, a sack butt is like a trombone. It's just like a slightly different construction, if I understand correctly. But that's still funny, though. I misspoke yesterday about the timing. The dream came in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. According to Bible.org and Haley's Bible Handbook, his first year, 605, B.C. was shared with his father, and as the year he ascended to the throne, with the next year being counted as his first year reigning. And according to Haley's, the first raid was in 605, but according to Bible.org, it was in 606, before the Battle of Karshemish in 605. So the king's second year reigning would be Daniel's third year of training. He might have been between 15 or 21 years old by now with solid confidence in God. Long story short, Daniel gets promoted to ruler over Babylon, chief of the governors over all the wise men, and sits in the gate of the king. At Daniel's request, his friends are promoted too and set over the affairs of Babylon. And according to Haley's Bible handbook, the fiery furnace incident came some 20 years later, like Bible y'all Paul was saying, 14, 17 years or so passed. It occurred at the same time Nebuchadnezzar burned Jerusalem in 586 when Judah fell. Nebuchadnezzar made the golden image to be worshipped in the year that he burned Jerusalem. And Daniel and his friends are now about 38 years old and have been in leadership for 20 years. You know, they didn't comply and so they get thrown in the furnace only to hang out with the Lord until the king tells them to come out. And they did. They didn't even smell like smoke. Anyway, Nebuchadnezzar blesses God, and now everybody dies if they speak against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they get a promotion. And in the New Testament, we read 1 Peter 4, 7 through 5, 14. We finish this one up. But Peter comes in hot in verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Well, that's quite a thing to say, Pete. You want to explain <laughs> some of that? Nope, apparently not. Not till the next letter, I guess. Because he goes on. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. 
and charity equals love in King James English. He's saying if you love each other, you won't want to sin against each other. And you'll want to forgive each other. He says y'all receive grace from God, so be good stewards of it, which is an interesting way to think about that. He warns them again, don't be surprised when you suffer for Christ, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. And it fascinates me, coming off an 11-year social work career like I am, that he ranks busybodies right up there with thieves and murderers. And that's all I'll say about that for right now. Yeah. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? God's going to clean his own house first. And then in chapter 5, he closes the letter. He exhorts the elders to feed the flock, like Jesus told him to do three times that one day. Don't be lords over them, but be examples to them. Somebody ought to needlepoint that on a pillow and give it to all the pastors. (laughs) Y'all young folks, show some respect to the elders. They've been around. Listen to them when they talk. But be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Not just anybody and everybody, but who he may. Apparently, he can't get to the sober and vigilant. So be that. But the God of all grace, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. All these trials you're going through are basically all about getting rid of the self. And then he just wraps it up and signs off. Okay, again, like Bible y'all Paul said, Peter's telling us not to think it's strange that we endure fiery trials, that we should expect them, they test our mettle, and always remember Christ, he suffered, if we suffer with him, we're in good company, so we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us in due time, and cast all our care upon him, knowing he cares for us, and be sober and vigilant. Because our enemy, our adversary, is looking for an opportunity to devour us. He's looking for a soft spot. But we can resist him by being steadfast in faith. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 119, 81 through 96, which starts with the letter calf and says, No matter what difficulties I go through, whether it be weakness or persecution, I still hope in your word is the big idea there. And the next letter is Lamed. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. What you say goes, is basically the theme. And verse 96 says, I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. And the word end here refers not to the fact that its existence is going to end, or that its duration or anything like that, but it's a limit or boundary as to its extent. He's seen the limits of all perfection. In other words, man's good is only going to be so good. But God's word is perfect and infinite. Woo. And then there's a verse. Oh, I didn't get which verse it is. If thy law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. If we don't love the truth, we will believe a lie. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 28, 15, and 16. As a roaring lion and a ranging bear, so is a wicked ruler over the poor people. And I'll let you fill in your own election jokes right here. We are to contend with the wicked not promote them. Proverbs 28.4, we read recently, they that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. And then verse 16 says, the prince that wanteth understanding is also a great oppressor, but he that hateth covetousness, which is the chief cause of all oppression and unjust practices, shall prolong his days by God's favor. 
Hate and covetousness starves the tyrant within us. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for November 27th is Daniel 4, 1-37. Nebuchadnezzar the king, unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to shew the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house, and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed, and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But at the last Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee, tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen, and the interpretation thereof. Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and an holy one came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree, and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves, and scatter his fruit. Let the beast get away from under it, and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watchers, and the demand by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof, forasmuch as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation. But thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is thou, O king, that art grown and become strong. For thy greatness is grown, and reacheth unto heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and an holy one coming down from heaven, and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field, 
till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by shewing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power, and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and give it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Our reading in the New Testament for November 27th is 2 Peter 1, 1-21. The second epistle of Peter. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fail. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, 
and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath shewed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Our reading in Psalms for November 27th is Psalm 119, 97 through 112. Mem. Oh, how I love the law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. None. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. I have sworn, and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. Accept, I beseech thee, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes, always, even unto the end. And our reading in Proverbs for November 27th is Proverbs 28, 17 and 18. A man that doeth violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit. Let no man stay him. Whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved. But he that is perverse in his ways shall fall at once. And that's got it for the 27th. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. We just did Thanksgiving week on being grateful to God for the good deal we got in America. Because let's face it, it could be worse. So this week, I thought we'd pray against some of the bad stuff that might be coming at us. So today's prayer is on Romans 13.1, which says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on our promise to God that we will accept His decisions. Because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, your word assures us that no one rises to power in this world without your hand on it and cautions us to place our faith in you only and never in worldly leaders. So whether peace or judgment is to come upon our nation, it is by your design. And with all things, we'll work together for our good. We therefore pledge to do our civic duty as unto you and accept whatever you place before us. 
we ask you to work repentance in us and heal our broken nation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yalling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, best thing you can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. I'm going to move this a little closer to you so it'll catch you when you laugh. Oh.